0: good day to be indigenous.
1: They are going to become more brutal. Because all the hippies are trying to be Indians anyway. They are going to become more repressive. Because it's a matter of dollars and their illusionary concepts of power. Hey, big We
2: must live in balance with the earth.
1: And also with recent happenings that wounded Knee. I am awake.
3: Hey, welcome back. Aho here at K, all of our friends and relatives in all four directions. You are listening to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. We discuss local and national Native news and events here on Native Roots Radio. My name is Haley Cherry, or I guess my Ho-Chunk name is uh, Chasha Chashape uh, Nik meaning uh, Little Eagle Princess in Ho-Chunk Nation. And uh, we are, we have a very special guest host in with us today. Host Robert Pilot is out in Washington, D.C. So he's uh, missing out on all of the fun, but we got a couple Ho-Chunk girls here in the station, in the studio here. So I want to go ahead and introduce um, Arvina Martin. Arvina is the executive executive director of Emerge Wisconsin. Um Arvina, hi, thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate it, and we always always love having you on the air with us.
4: yes, thank you for having me haley and and thank you in absentia to robert um for for having me inviting me to guest host in his absence. I know he's out there out in d c doing some good work for the people right now, so I'm happy to yes. <clears throat> excuse me to uh to hold it down here for him so he can go out and Take care of business.
3: (laughs) Absolutely. And I just want to remind everyone, too, that this portion of the show is supported by JS Bean Factory off Randolph Avenue here in St. Paul, Minnesota, native-owned, bringing us the best coffee that keeps us awake. Uh, Robert loves the dark roast. I'm not much of a dark roast girl. I'll have to admit, I do like a lot of creamer in my coffee, but I don't know. What about you, Arvina?
4: Yeah, I'm... I can... I actually prefer the cold brew, you know, it's a little, it's, it's, it's a little little less bitter, um, but still has that, you know, that oomph that all that caffeine punch that
3: I need when I'm (laughs) <laughs> working into the night trying to get things done <laughs> exactly well what have you been up to i know we just uh we just got through halloween and we've got a uh, day of the dead still going on here with the next couple of days here for our relatives um in mexico and then also today is the first day it is native american heritage month here starting mm-hmm. november 1st happy native american heritage month to you Haley. You as well. Thank and we're both Ho Chunk, which is really yeah. cool.
4: Yes. I like to I like to joke and call us call it Wong Wednesday. Even though Wong includes people who are not Ho Chunk, it doesn't alliterate the same way.
3: <laughs> right.
4: Ho Chunk Wednesday.
3: <laughs> I know.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any big plans for or uh for events or anything during uh Native American Heritage Month,
3: Haley? Really? Oh, my goodness. You know, I have not checked the calendars yet, but um, we're lucky here in Minnesota. I know you're over in Wisconsin. uh, We have a really great Native community here, especially urban um, in the Twin Cities. And there's always a bunch of events going on. So I'm sure someone will put together a big old calendar for all of us. And and I'm sure, yeah, we'll be going to a lot of events.
4: Yeah, I mean that's the same here. It's it's a matter of uh, actually looking at my calendar and figuring out what it is I can make make work in my schedule. Um, there's a lot of stuff coming up uh, that I have for work personally, so um, you know I have gotta I, I want to be able to check out things um, in more places in Wisconsin other than just Madison, which is where I live. Hopefully, I can check out some stuff in Milwaukee, maybe Baraboo. Uh, the Dells, you know, some other places as well, because I know, you know, we've got lots of we've got lots of Native communities here in Wisconsin, not not just our 11 federally recognized tribes, but we have lots of um, local tribal communities in our uh, urban, more urban areas um, and on our campuses with our Native students. Um, and I know that there's there's some stuff happening here in Madison. Um, we're you know at, at our local Ho Chunk Nation branch branch office, um, including some some uh, chances to learn how to do some Ho Chunk arts and crafts. You know whether it's Doing beadwork, I've I learned how to do pache making, which is very difficult but pretty cool. Um, and I don't know, I was thinking about maybe trying to pick up some some basket making skills. Um, I know that my my family did that. You know, my grandma and her family used to sell baskets back in the day in order to make money. I don't know about your family, but um, those are. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Well, I know. There was someone that we've had on this show, too. I'm totally blanking on her name. I don't want to say Trisha Zunker, but it might have been. Um, I don't know. Does she make baskets? You know, Trisha? Yeah. I don't know that she makes baskets. She
4: might. But I know she's got an extensive collection um, of baskets.
3: Um, Maybe that was it.
4: Yeah. Yeah. I haven't seen her collection, um, but I've seen pictures. Actually, I think there were pictures of it when she was uh, featured in Vogue a couple of years, you know, when she was running for Congress. And I saw there was, there were pictures of um, her sitting in front of her collection. And I thought, that's pretty
3: cool. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure if anyone in our family, mine and Robert's family, did baskets. But my Gaga and my great Gaga, Helen McKee, she, uh, they're pretty known for their, their fry bread, I'll have to say. Oh yeah, um, I, I can tell a story about during the
4: the pandemic. I I am not known for my fry bread, um, oh. but uh, <laughs> but I am known to eat it. And I tried to make some with a friend of mine um, during the pandemic. You know, we were both we were both safe and it was nice outside. So I was like, I'm going to make some fry bread. And my dough never rose. Oh, and no. found out later the The yeast that I had had died, so I'm oh. I, yeah. So I was um, very adamant that it was not my fault. <laughs> yeah, but regardless, still get teased to this day um, for my my lack of fry bread skills. It wasn't my fault. The little the little. The little yeast guys, they just weren't doing their job. <laughs> I didn't know. So is that like expired or they die or is that the term I guess for it? They must have. This was when everybody was, was super into making sourdough bread. So, mm. you know, everybody and their mom had gone to the grocery store and like I had gone three different places and couldn't find any yeast anywhere. Um, and then finally found some. And I was like, oh, yes. That I'm gonna kind of have some fry bread, and the worst part of it is, you know, not just the embarrassment of uh, not of, of having my batch of fry bread not even get to the frying stage, um, but <laughs> <laughs> but then not having any fry bread to eat. And I oh. I was so had it in my head. Oh yeah, we're gonna eat fry bread today. Mm-hmm. All that work for nothing. Yep, yep. I think we ordered pizza instead because. By then, I was like, I'm not making anything. This isn't Well, working. it was
3: bread. It's some type of bread, pizza. You
4: no, know, you know, and you know, it, it. There was grease on it, so it was it kind counts. of similar. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we are also um, I I, I from the weather update that uh, I heard during our break that um, you guys are pretty cold up there.
3: Oh yeah. We, yeah. Did you guys
4: get snow yet over there? We got a dusting. It was like the little pellets of snow, um, and they, it only stayed on like the the lawns, so like not on concrete or anything. Um, but
3: we we got a little bit of that. Did you guys yeah. get snow too? We did get snow. Um, it was not last night, but the night before. So I guess before Halloween. And yeah, it was probably, you know, about in the evening. It was probably like nine o'clock or so. It started flurrying. And I was like, oh, no, it's not going to stick to the ground. And it's just a light dusting. And, and then about an hour later, I look outside and it's like a half an inch of snow. Oh, it my goodness. Covered the ground. So You guys
4: got more than we did down here. <laughs> yes,
3: that's I for don't sure. think it
4: it never really it never really covered the ground but i will say that it uh got me in that that i almost said snoop mood but uh it got me yeah. got me in soup mode and so we had um uh corn soup last night which was amazing um and you know i feel like this is the the right time of year for for soups and roasted vegetables so
3: you know, we were keeping warm with that. <laughs> I love that. Got to have that good fall, the fall meals. Uh, we yeah. got to take We gotta take a quick break, but uh, we'll be right back. And uh, what do you want to talk about in this next segment here?
4: Hey, maybe we can talk a little bit more
3: um, about, oh, we should talk about uh, Miss Buffy St. Marie. Ooh, I'm down yeah. with that. Let's do it. All right. You guys are listening to Native Brits Radio Network, and uh, this is I'm Awake, and we'll be right back after this break.
1: unwanted sexting or photos, inappropriate jokes, even tickling or wrestling can feel like a violation, catcalling, cornering, or groping, getting them drunk or high for sex, recording sexual acts without permission, hurting someone because of their sexual orientation, ripping a family member, a child, a date, a friend, a stranger, purchasing a human being for sex. You make the choice every single time. Sexual violence is many things. Make a choice. Do not do it.
3: Sponsored by the Minnesota Indian Women's Sexual Assault Coalition. Be a vaccinative. As the fall season continues, new COVID-19 variants threaten the health of not just you, but our elders as well. These new variants might even evade previous vaccines. That's why it's important to stay up to date. The newly authorized vaccines target current variants effectively and are FDA approved for ages six months and older. But there is an important note. These are the first COVID vaccines to be commercialized, which means there may be costs associated with them. Speak with your health insurer about your coverage before scheduling an appointment to avoid a surprise bill. For those without health insurance, help is available. Ask your health clinic about options or visit vaccines.gov for free locations. Getting vaccinated protects you from severe disease. Don't put yourself or elders at risk. So be a vaccinative and protect our community. You can visit vaccines.gov for free vaccine locations.
2: This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health.
3: Temperatures are cooling off and fall migration is underway. Do you know what that means?
4: Eagle viewing season is almost here, and the National Eagle Center is your headquarters for information and experiences. This winter, experience bald and golden eagles in the wild with an unforgettable expert-led field trip. Plan your private eagle habitat tour and learn where the best eagle viewing is with weekly eagle codes. Plus, you can visit the eagles at the center all season long. Plan your visit or experience today online at nationaleaglecenter.org.
3: Anine, I'm Lieutenant Governor Peggy Flanagan, and you are listening to Native Roots Radio.
0: We are the Calusa
2: Nation.
3: Hey, welcome back. This is Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm Awake. This is producer Haley Cherry Shashap. Hey Wango Way with you here. And uh with me, I'm with Arvina Martin, Executive Director of Emerge Wisconsin, and Arvina's guest hosting for host Robert Pilot. And uh we're back. So Arvina, let's talk yeah. some let's talk some Buffy St. Marie, shall we?
4: Yeah. So for those who may have not not heard um the I believe it's called the Fifth Estate, a a program on Canada's version of I almost said Canadia. Canada's version of uh of PBS um, did a, a whole documentary about um, Buffy Saint Marie's origins and and how she doesn't appear to have any Native ancestry, and it has uh, proven to be quite quite the issue um, in Indian country these days. Uh, people you know, kind of taking sides, uh, you know, either pro or against. Um, I know that, that she was adopted in a traditional way by um, a Cree family. I believe their last name was Piapot. I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, so if I said, said that wrong, I apologize there, um, but you know it, it, it really leads into this conversation or or that that we keep having um, about who is native, who is allowed to call yourself nat- them yourselves natives, right. um, and and who you know what that means, and and there's a lot of people that that fall on very different ends of the spectrum.
3: Um, Haley, have you seen this? conversation happening online too yeah you know I've seen it not only just with Buffy but uh, you know unfortunately you know with other people too and um you know it's hard and um you know it's hard especially because she was you know adopted into those um traditions and um yeah I don't know the whole word like pretendian
1: Mm -hmm. is
3: um comes to mind but you know in that circumstance with Buffy it's really really hard I mean she's done so much work and advocated so much Mm -hmm. for the Native communities I mean all her life um you know I I'm not too familiar with kind of her background and everything like that but um I I probably yeah it's it's hard to say so I really want to hear kind of more so your opinion on the whole situation
4: yeah I know uh you know I I it's d- disappointing, um, to say the very least, I think, um, that that you know she has presented herself in a way that is not um, consistent with the t- the truth. <laughs> um, you know and and if if she, there was you know nuance to this, why wasn't why wasn't that discussed? You know, so much earlier. I mean, I remember. I, I'm pretty sure I've seen. You know, records at my parents' house um, of hers, and she's won awards um, for the her work, her recording career. Um, I remember seeing her on Sesame Street, um, nursing oh, a wow. baby, or talking about, um, and, and they were talking about breastfeeding and and feeding a baby, and she was nursing um, a baby. Her. Presumably her baby, I hope. Mm-hmm. I would um, hope so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and and thinking, oh, that was pretty cool. And, and you know, I do think that that moment was a big deal um, for folks. Um, but at the same time, there is this this great sense of betrayal that folks have. That they believed in and went to bat for her and found out that... Um, that she that she hadn't been completely truthful and and was kind of trying to you know make excuses et cetera and that certainly doesn't doesn't help. But then we run into questions like um, you know well if the family in that nation adopted her you know who are we to question um, you know that nation's sovereignty and who they want to call members of their community um Mm -hmm. and you know it just i think it brings up a lot of questions in terms of who gets to call themselves native or indigenous um and and you know what 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 is the the where? What would be the proper place from someone who isn't, um, you know, born into a Native family but adopted into them? You know, my dad was um, adopted by two Ho Chunk families in 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 our traditional ways, um, but he never referred to himself as Ho Chunk. You know, like he sang and he was. Um, a member of the medicine lodge, but he, you know, never, he always, people asked him, he was, he told them he was Stockbridge Muncie. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, if people asked him about his connections to Ho-Chunk, he would talk about his adopted families. Um, And, you know, so he wasn't, he never ever considered himself a Ho-Chunk tribal member or anything like that. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, does the idea—and this is more of like a legal construct—does the idea and and does the fact that tribes are supposed to be sovereign, you know, does that give them the the ability, you know, presumably to to decide who is going to be a, a tribal member and can does that go beyond just who is born into it? I mean, back in mm-hmm. the day. Some th- things like that would happen, and people would be adopted in. And but it's we're we're not in the same situation today. And and I think that you know, I, I feel like these days we can't throw a rock without hitting a Pretendian. And and I think that this one hurts a lot of members of our community um, just because she has been so, you know. She has been so outspoken about issues that that Native communities face, and and would she have been considered differently if she presented herself as an ally who spoke on these issues? Um, you know, yeah. would, would she still have the same kind of level of 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 fame or influence? Um, you know, those are kind of thoughts that come through my head. I I don't know. Um,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You make some really great points there, Arvina. And again, uh, we're with Arvina Martin, who is guest hosting. Uh, she is the executive director for Emerge Wisconsin and an enrolled member member of Ho-Chunk Nation. Um, and we're talking Buffy St. Marie. And if, you know, a lot of people don't know who Buffy is. She's a musician and she's a older Native, or er, who mm, has right? claimed to be exactly. Native American. Um, yeah, we're talking about that and, and how she was adopted um, into Native family. Um, yeah, I yeah.
4: don't know. It's, oh, well, and I think it's weird too. I mean, like, you know, she, it certainly looks like she tanned her skin
3: somehow. Um, she looks, yeah, she looks, you know, of some type of descent. Italian descent or native, you know, but.
0: hmm.
4: Yeah. And I wonder if there's like some fake tanning situations going on to, that she's doing in order to kind of perpetuate yeah exactly and and then that brings up all the ideas of you know despite all the amazing work that she's done she's still perpetuating an idea and a stereotype of what Native people should look like and right. you know I think you know Haley we know and I'm sure most of our listeners know that Native people can look like lots of different th- people and right. and you know, there are natives that present Asian or natives that present white or natives that present black. And that doesn't, that doesn't, Mm -hmm. you know, cancel out their indigeneity.
3: Exactly. Yeah, you're exactly right, Arvina. And, you know, I personally myself will come out and say that I struggled a little bit with uh, native identity. I don't know. Um, We talk about blood quantum. That's a term that comes up a lot. Um, within Native communities and and, then how much Native blood someone has apparently um, will contribute to their identity, I guess. But um, one thing that Robert has always told me, um, as long as you know personally who you are, Mm -hmm. who your family is, and you can name your family members of these enrolled First Nations and you can prove your direct descent, um, that's all that matters and no one um no one can take that away from you mm-hmm. um and yeah so
4: yeah. i just I, I see and you're you're exactly right haley and and i see you know especially with younger folks that have not grown up around their tribal communities um you know kind of struggling with with their identity and and their place Within their tribe or within the native community at large. And, yeah. you know, I think, I think that even that, that people that fake this kind of identity makes it so much harder for, our, especially, um, our brothers and sisters who are returning to their tribal communities after, you know, not growing up. Um, and, you know, having, having that identity or, um, you know their ways taken from them before they were even born. Through, you know, through no fault of their own, um, and you know that it makes it so much harder for you know younger folks that are trying to come back and trying to learn their ways. You know, they get met with with skeptical eyes, and that's I think that's a a huge a huge problem. And you know, I, that's why this I think this issue of pretendianism, a word i just kind of made up right there um mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is so harmful i mean there we can go in and talk about all other kinds of reasons why it's harmful but i think that that one is kind of a one we don't talk about as much
3: right yeah. well great points and i'm glad that we did talk about it briefly a little bit but yeah. we do have to take another break here so um who we have another guest that will be joining us next and her name is uh, Heather Bailey and Heather is uh, she works in Wisconsin right?
4: Yes I actually when I was on city council I worked with her Um, she is a uh, preservation planner so she works in historic preservation
3: awesome well stay tuned you are listening to Native Earth Radio Network presents I'm Awake and we'll be right back after this short break Back to school season is here. And while this is an exciting time for parents, kids, and educators, let's not forget how far we've come in our battle against COVID-19. We're in a better place, but COVID-19 is still here, and we need to continue to help protect our communities. With the flurry of new schedules and classrooms, let's not overlook the fundamentals of staying safe. Wash your hands regularly and watch for any symptoms like fever, chills, a cough, or shortness of breath. Should you or someone you know have COVID-19 symptoms, stay home and get tested. Find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us. Let's have this back-to-school season be a time of renewed commitment to our collective health and brighter future for our native communities. Again, find more tips on continuing to be safe at health.state.mn.us.
2: This message is brought to you in partnership with the Minnesota Department of Health.
0: Ever wonder how far you could go with a master's degree, graduate certificate, or a doctoral degree? Metro State University is hosting a graduate program preview day On Tuesday, November 14th, explore more than 25 graduate programs, meet faculty and students, and discover resources available to help you take the next step in your career. Sign up today at metrostate.edu slash preview day. Know your power. Metro State University. When a drunk
2: driver hit my car, the structural integrity and safety features of my Toyota Sienna saved my life. I will always own one. That's it. That's the ad. I don't think I need to add anything else, but I'll gladly mention their sales team is attentive and friendly. Their service department is the best in the state and their vehicles. You can put a lot of faith in the quality and safety of a Toyota vehicle. The structural integrity and safety features of my Toyota Sienna saved my life. I will always own one. That says it all. Rudy Luther, Toyota, five miles west of Minneapolis on 394. Would you let animals pick your insurance? Do you really need to experience mayhem to get the best rates? Or how about a celebrity quarterback or fake university saving you money? There's a lot of marketing stunts when it comes to insurance, but what you really need is someone looking out for you. Call Array Insurance, and they will work hard to find you the best insurance coverage and rates. So avoid gimmicks and call Cheryl at Array, 763-504-3067, or ArrayInsurance.com. Array Insurance, working hard for you.
0: Hi, this is Frank Brown, owner of Minuteman Press Uptown, Minnesota's only minority-owned union printing company. We have big news. We've moved to North Minneapolis. Why did you move? As a black business owner, I wanted to be part of the North Minneapolis community to provide jobs.
4: Are there other reasons you moved there?
0: We have bigger new equipment and outgrew the other location.
4: What kind of new equipment do you have?
0: We have new equipment that allows us to print quality signage and banners. We also have a new inkjet printer, printing larger sheets, improving production efficiencies. Is the new location easy to find? It's not only easy to find. It's more convenient with plenty of parking. We are now located on Washington Avenue North off I-94 and the Dowling exit.
4: So do you still print everything?
0: We print more than everything. We have over 175 Google reviews with a five-star rating. Call 612-870-0777 or visit mpuptown.com. That's mpuptown.com. We print everything. With
2: your AM950 weather, I'm Brett Johnson. Look for partly cloudy skies tonight with a low around 26, Thursday sunny with a high near 41, and Friday cloudy with a high around 47 nightingale in minneapolis is your perfect neighborhood gathering spot treat your taste buds to their famous nightingale burger and fries roasted duck breast or try their unique offerings like the roasted broccoli bruschetta and smoked chicken liver plate can't stay no problem as nightingale offers convenient takeout orders more at nightingale mpls.com
3: hi this is representative sharice davids from kansas i'm ho-chunk and you're listening to native roots radio And we're back to Native Roots Radio presents I'm Awake. This is producer Haley Cherry. I'm here with Arvina Martin, who is the executive director of Emerge Wisconsin. And she is stepping up uh, guest hosting for Robert Pilot while he is out in Washington, D.C. And I'll hand it over to you, Arvina yeah, thank you, Haley. Um I'm really excited to talk with our next guest
4: here. Um, She is somebody that I worked with when I was on city council in Madison, Wisconsin, um and what she her name is Heather Bailey, and she is the preservation ma- uh, planner for the city of Madison, Wisconsin. Hi, Heather.
1: Hi, thank you for having me.
4: Yeah, it's good to see you again. Good to see you. Yeah, um, I wanted to, I wanted, I was, I'm really excited to have you here as a guest. Um, and I was wondering um, if you could kind of start off and tell us a little bit about um, your work in, in preservation planning and how how that kind of fits into historic preservation of Native sites and cultures.
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I'm the preservation planner for the city of Madison, Wisconsin. And so that is more than just um, old houses. (laughs) Although a lot of it is old houses, Um, as should not be a sort of profound statement to anyone. History didn't just start when the white people showed up. Madison has a long and diverse history that goes back to time immemorial. And so it's also including uh, the Native American history that's you know within our jurisdiction, our uh, city boundaries. So, there are a lot of uh, primarily archaeological sites within Madison. The number of sites that are all over the city. It was a site of long-term human habitation. Um, the, uh, the tribal history that's there. It, it's it's just everywhere. So the uh, Landmarks Commission is involved with being the uh, stewards on behalf of the city for preserving the cultural heritage of the Madison area. Um, Now, having said that um, Mm -hmm. I can speak pretty well to the historic buildings, but the archeological sites, while that is underneath my purview to help be a steward of those sites, um, because that's my job, literally it's in writing, that's part of my job. Um, But that's not necessarily my story to tell. So I need to be working with our tribal partners to make sure that we are Uh, Making sure we're being good stewards of these sites and going about that in a way that is the way they want us to do that, as opposed to the way that we think is right. Um, But also that the stories that we're telling, um, we're telling them on the terms of the people whose heritage it is, not, well, I have studied this, or I'm a scholar, or I'm an expert or whatever, and I've decided this is the story that we're going to tell. So there's a lot of working with people to make sure we're telling uh, the best story that we can and that we're being the best stewards that we can.
4: Yeah and and I you know for the listening audience while I was on city council I was also a member of the landmarks commission so I got to work with heather quite a bit um on on stuff and yes it is a lot of old houses but um I frequently found the the other stuff where when we would talk about some of the, some of the sites a lot <laughs> a little more interesting I guess cuz I think I related to that more than you know, 1800s construction of of a certain kind of building, Tudor revival, etc. I'm I'm just trying to remember some of these architectural names that that I lived amongst for a while. So, so you you have to work with lots of different stakeholders, and and what especially when you're working with native historic preservation, can you tell us a little bit about those stakeholders and and there's so many moving parts to this and and it gets
1: complicated (laughs) it does get complicated so i mean there's there's various levels of laws so there's federal laws related to um the antiquities act and the national historic preservation act and so there's compliance with federal stuff when there's some type of federal nexus um there's also state laws um and so there's particularly for the sites that are known uh human burial sites and that 's a lot of them in Madison um, then there 's uh state level compliance, but the way that the laws were written for state level compliance they 've recently um, had some additional level of notification and tribal involvement hmm. but they 're still not at the level that I think they should be at <laughs> um, but that 's our Minimum level of compliance, um, most of we call securing a request to disturb, so doing ground disturbing activities within the boundaries of an area that is a, a known human burial site. Um, and mostly that process is notifying the state, and then the state has a threshold of when they involve the tribes. But for my experience, the vast majority of me just notifying the state, and they aren't necessarily involving the tribes because that's not required. I wanted us to be going at more than just the minimum level of compliance. Mm-hmm. Um, cause, I mean, that's, that's the base of what the city yeah. has to do, but the city can and should be doing more. And so Arvina, when you were on the Landmarks Commission, that was wonderful discussion um, to be able to ha- have a discussion amongst the Landmarks Commission, which also just highlights the point of if you're going to be doing any kind of work, but mm-hmm. you're going to be doing historic preservation work, it can't just be people who look like me. Um, it needs, we need diversity in the bodies of people who are making these decisions and having these discussions. And but prior to you serving on the Landmarks Commission, um, I don't think we had someone to genuinely represent Native voices for the significant number of resources. I mean, we were doing tribal consultation, but that's different from the body that is the city's, you know, set of deciders uh, for how they want to proceed, um, it changes it to have someone who is a tribal member, a part of the Landmarks Commission to talk about how we are proceeding. It makes a big difference.
0: Yes. Um,
1: and I was thinking about some of those project reviews that we did that involved ground disturbing activities and you uh, engaging in that discussion and making it personal. I, me saying to a, I'm, I'm going to finish answering your question. Yeah. Oh, you're good. But I'm already off on a side thing. <laughs> um, I love tangents. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. Cause that's where I live. Um, <laughs> some of those discussions, me telling a property owner, these are human burial sites. These are where people's families are buried. Um, I, you know, a lot of, yeah, yeah, yeah. you saying this is where my families are buried and the reasons why that this is, um, has such strong emotions and, um, your people being you know forcibly removed from these locations where their families are buried um and why this is important and um there was one particular hearing where that that really threw the property owner the he he had had that as very intellectual you know way up here mm-hmm. um as opposed to the genuine human connection of hey these these are people's families who are buried here, and we need to talk about the ways in which we are impacting these sites that made it very real. I'm sorry, I had to come at your emotional cost. But <laughs> that was super powerful. And I that made such an impact for that, that person to be like, Oh, yeah, maybe where I want to have my garage um isn't as important. And maybe I really should have it, you know, way away from the mound site. Yes. <laughs> so thank you for that. Yeah. Um, but in terms of uh, the way things work on the, the city level, we are we're constantly learning um, the, you know, know better, do better. Um, Mm -hmm. So there's lots of back and forth. And as we gather more information and try to figure out what we're doing and how we're doing it. um, (laughs) Also, I lived in Tennessee for 20 years. And so I've picked up a couple of uh, idioms from there. There's a lot of fixing to get ready to um, in government (laughs) work. And so I've got a lot of slow wheels of government going on and I've got a lot of fixing to get ready to things, and uh, I need to get to the final completion phase. Um, one of the things we had started, Arvina, when you were on the Landmarks Commission was, maybe we should have a land acknowledgement at part of the opening script for Landmarks Commission, not as a checkbox, and now we're good with, uh, com- you know, being compliant with, you know, giving a shout out to that uh, this is uh, Ho ho chunk land, and then, you know, done, we don't have to do any more. But as a starting, Point to ground Mm -hmm. our our discussions to be like, hey, this is where we're at, and we came up with some initial language. Uh, You and I then uh, went to WITRIC, Wisconsin Intertribal Repatriation uh, Committee, and uh, to talk with all of the tribal partners. Primarily, I am working with the Ho Chunk Nation Tribal Historic Preservation Office, um, Bill Quackenbush and his team, and they are amazing. I really I can't say enough good things. So primarily working with them, but rather than just going with the assumption of, well, we'll obviously always be working with the Ho-Chunk. Is there anybody else we need to be talking with? The federal government, each of the federal agencies has a list of here's the tribal uh, partners you need to do consultation with. And I've done enough federal compliance stuff to know that different federal agencies have different lists. Um, (laughs) hmm. Um, So rather than me going to, the U.S. government to find out who we should talk with in terms of um, how we do compliance, who we do consultation with. I wanted to go to the tribes to say, who of you want to be involved in our consultation and process? Because um, that seemed way more straightforward and common sense. And so we talked with them, we started the discussion. Um, they said they would like to um, you know, talk some more. And um, then we were getting ready to do a survey of known archaeological sites in the city of Madison which that project just wrapped up and I mean you and I went to talk with Wittrick is that two years ago? I think so (laughs) So, yeah slow wheels of government um so yeah we just finished up that survey got some really um amazing information I've already sent it on to Bill Quackenbush for uh his comments but hopefully in the next couple of months I will get things together enough where um I can go back to to Wittrick and say hey here's what we've got Um, who would like to be involved with talking about here's the sites that we are aware of what sites do we need to be taking better care of and providing more protections on and also what kind of stories do we need to be telling here
2: yeah yeah
4: yeah well yeah it sounds like we're ready to go to a commercial here
3: Yes, we oh. we definitely do. Yes, great. Um, so yeah, we we are here with uh, Heather Bailey, preservation planner of uh, City of Madison, Wisconsin, and Arvina Martin, executive director of Emerge Wisconsin, enrolled member of Ho-Chunk Nation, and producer Haley Cherry. And uh, you are listening to Native Roots Radio Network presents. I'm awake, and we'll be right back after this short break. Please stay with us. Oh.
2: Nation. In this critical time for Indian country, voting is crucial to protecting the land, water, and communities. Voting creates collective power in securing our planet's future amid climate chaos. Engage in personal conversations with loved ones to ensure they are making informed voting choices. Register to vote. And don't forget that 16- and 17-year-olds can pre-register to vote in Minnesota. NACTI is asking us to stand together and make voting a tradition. Go to nacti.org to learn more and make your pledge to vote.
0: Boujou, Hello. My name is Wabin. I am an enrolled member of the White Earth Nation, descendant of the Navajo Nation, and co-chair of the Indigenous Employee Resource Group with the Minnesota Department of Transportation. MnDOT is hiring for a variety of positions from road maintenance to accounting and more. We offer great benefits. For more information or to set up a one-on-one resume and application assistance, visit mn.gov careers or you can text or call 612-257-2388. 612-257-2388.
2: Hi, this is Philip Anthony, the host of The Downright Upright Show, the place to go to hear out loud and proud what Minnesotans are thinking. I interview many interesting people and listen to their thoughts on how they plan to better our community and to hear their opinions on current events. Join us and get in on the conversation. You can listen to my podcast, The Downright Upright Show with Philip Anthony, wherever you listen to podcasts or at am950radio.com. So come and join me and continue being fantabulous.
0: You're listening to Native Roots Radio. This is Spirit from Reservation Dogs. Get up and listen.
3: Hey, this is producer Haley Cherry, and you're listening to Native Roots Radio Network presents I'm Awake. This portion of the show is supported by Howling for Wolves, protecting wolves for future generations. Ow! Ooh, we missed you, and I think I had you on mute. So that's oh my no, headset. I was doing it too. <laughs> I know, I saw you, big Pina Gigi. Thanks for yes. participating.
4: <laughs> I'm I'm not an expert wolf howler yet, but I'll get there.
3: <laughs> that's okay. Where are you? What clan are you? I'm are
4: you? Warrior Clan, so okay. you know, I okay. don't come by it naturally.
3: <laughs> no, 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 we're Eagle Clan, so neither neither are Robert or I. <laughs>
4: Well, um, thank you, Haley. And again, we are here with Heather Bailey, the preservation planner for the city of Madison and someone who I worked quite a bit with when I was on city council in Madison. Um, and this is a, a little different. Well, not a little different, but, um, Heather, I, I'm sure you've heard about what ha- the Oshkosh situation and how, um, there was, there was a site found. And I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about what happens when sites are found. Cause in, in Madison, we have a lot of sites that are already mapped and and you did talk about us mapping, mapping like that. That's not the best word, I guess. Um, but mapping sites, um, and, and, could you talk a little bit about what happens when if if there were something like that to happen in Madison or, or what is the process that that goes on when during construction um, a right. site is found?
1: So, um, yes, there's mapping of known sites, but those are as documented by uh, primarily white archaeologists. So mm-hmm. those are what are known to that set of folks. So that's the information that we have. That's- um So if there are ground disturbing activities in these places that have already been documented, then the state's requirement is that we have um, an archeologist on site for archeological monitoring. So looking to see if, um, while they're doing the ground disturbing activity, if there is, and the technical term is inadvertent discovery. So they find something or sometimes someone. Um, And then what do you do? Well, there's a false stop. um there's a full stop then it uh goes to they have to determine if and if they find human... stop, oh go ahead
4: i was gonna say by full stop you mean all the construction work
1: stops yes yeah. yes and and then the site gets locked down so that there's uh no looting and no further desecration of the site um the first level is they um have to get a forensic anthropologist to uh, take a look to see um is this uh are these historic remains or is this something recent because that can happen, too. So if it's something recent, then this is turned over to the police, it's a criminal thing. Um, if it's something historic, then um, the Yes, the Office of the State Archaeologist involved is involved, but then the tribes are involved for um, what is going to happen with these human remains. And <laughs> every tribe has um, different priorities, because they are different people. Um, for what do you want to have happen? Um, some tribes want uh, the human remains to remain where they are and have a capstone installed so that uh, no further ground disturbing activity could impact uh, those burial sites. Some people um, want them removed from a place that now has a lot of activity and therefore a lot of disturbance going on, and taken to a place for reinterment. Um, and then th- that's fine. Uh, then we work with the tribes to make sure that that happens. Um, but It's a case by case situation and it depends on who all is involved with um, this particular consultation for the ground disturbing activity. Um, Now, again, with Madison has, uh, it's the site of long-term human habitation. There's the places where we think there's a higher likelihood of an inadvertent discovery, but it could happen anywhere. It could happen anywhere. Um, So we like to tell properties, particularly for, uh, properties that are up along the lakes. Um, Mm -hmm. People want to live there now people wanted to live there as long as there have been people here. So there's a good chance you're going to find something. Um, And so we tell people, if you make an inadvertent discovery, you need to do a full stop. Um, Contact us contact the state so that this can happen. Um, So that is the sort of level of what can happen in those situations. Have you
4: ever encountered in your career any, any inadvertent discoveries that then had to be handled?
1: Yes, I haven't done any since I've been in Madison. Uh, before yeah. this, I worked with the um, city of Durango in Colorado, and uh, we did have a project uh, there because uh, <laughs> as a similar, it's a site of long-term human habitation, both the um, uh, ancestral pueblos and uh, the uh, Ute people um, long-term, uh, habitation in that area, so there was, um, uh, a housing development, um, in an area that was outside of, we did, had similar mapping, outside of the, uh, the boundary of where we knew that there were sites, and, um, they disturbed a couple of burials, so, um, we ended up doing, a collaboration with the tribes, and the state was involved, and they ended up, um, yeah, going, doing a, a reburial ceremony, and, um, it slightly changed the shape of the development out there, but uh, we work with everybody to get to a solution.
4: Yeah. And do you think that, um, and, and this is your opinion as Heather Bailey, the person who works in this and not as Heather Bailey uh, city of Madison employee, but do you think that in Wisconsin, that there are um, sufficient Rules. I'm like, is
1: or or do you think that there there's room for improvement? I okay. Well, I will say, to a certain extent, I'm speaking as a lifelong bureaucrat. I think there's always room for improvement <laughs> and and strengthening our processes and go back and reevaluate. Um, the I, <laughs> I would say is me practicing. I wish there was um, more of a regulatory structure that required so i mean we're doing this as the city of madison for Mm -hmm. we want to go the extra mile that's us going the extra mile um there's again the base level requirement for all other municipalities but they need to go access the uh, mapping information the gis information for where burials are but they have to pay for that um or they can go down to a terminal uh, in downtown madison at the wisconsin historical society to look at something so it's really it's counting on these governments to do that work Mm -hmm. and if you turn somebody up like what happened (laughs) recently then you know there's steps you need to take but we i think we have an obligation to be more proactive and right now there isn't a requirement um for doing proactive planning that is a way that is really involving uh tribal partners um yeah, that, see, I, I've heard Bill Quackenbush, um, you know, have some comments about uh, the ways in which we do, we the city do uh, processes that involve um, uh, sensitive sites. Uh, the way in which our systems, and this is straight up systemic racism, the way mm-hmm. our planning processes work, we, if we're doing some type of project, we notify property owners within 200 feet of uh, the property. But because we forcibly remove the Ho chunk people, they don't have you know they aren't legal property owners for these sites so our processes our planning processes in the city it's not structured that way so something like the Landmarks commission has to create an additional process to try to help make that happen um and that means there's been a lot of damage to um cultural heritage for the ho Chunk people in the madison area
4: well, you know, I, I want to say thank you for all of the work that you have done and, and for being a progressive, forward-looking, um, you know, I mean, also backward-looking and seeing where the mistakes have been made and, and really working on, on righting those those wrongs. I think, I mean, I I was always very happy to work with you because I, I felt that we worked together fairly collaboratively. Um, and and I think that that's a really great system to, to to kind of get through those, you know those those little blind spots that we may have. Um, so thank you so much for your work. and thank you for joining us today.
1: Thank you so much for having me. This is what was absolutely wonderful.
3: Yeah, wonderful. a big, Well, big peanut geeky to you too, Arvina uh, Martin of Executive Director of Wisconsin for stepping up and uh, guest hosting for Robert Pilot tonight. I really appreciate Yay. it. Thank you, Heather Bailey, Preservation Planner City of Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, yeah, this is you've been listening to Native Roots Radio Presents. I'm awake. The American dream is a dream for a reason. You have to be asleep to believe it. Wake up with us. We are still here. We are the next generation. We need to resist, divest, join a group, run for office, and free Leonard Peltier now.
0: Run for office.